HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. The following program has been brought to you by Rolling Press, a family-run, eco-friendly printing company. For more information, visit rollingpress.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The Welcome back to The Speakeasy. I'm your host, Damon Bolte. And in the studio today, it's been about just right on a year since the last time my guest has been in the studio. And uh, he's been very, very busy uh, with a fantastic new book called The Old Fashioned. And uh, I can't wait to get into it and start talking about it. So welcome back to the show, Robert Simonson. Hey, Damon. Thanks. Glad to be here. Glad to be here, Damon. Thanks. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I'm glad to have you back. Um, so, the last time we talked, um, about a year ago, it was last, well, it was last May, so just less than a year ago, we were talking about, um, like, trending cocktails, and we're talking about uh, journalism and cocktails and spirits, and I think one of the things that's really interesting about this new book is that uh, when, when, trend, when trends come around for cocktails, they're typically... Uh, a lot of classics that are involved at the base of them. And so you get to start playing around with different cocktails and doing your different variations of them. And what better base than the original cocktail, the old-fashioned, right? Yeah, indeed. It's one of those classic templates. In fact, it's probably the classic template. It's it's the definition of a cocktail. It's, it's spirit, it's water, it's sugar, it's bitters. It's all there. It was only natural that uh, bartenders and mixologists were going to play with, around with it. Although I think the happier triumph is that they actually figured out how to make it correctly first because it had been made badly for so long. They had been. And what were some of the reasons why you think that that we fell off? I mean, clearly there's prohibition, bad booze, stuff like that. I mean, like like you say, uh, it's spirit, sugar, water, and bitters is the base. That's the definition of a cocktail going back to 1806. But... What were some of the reasons why the old-fashioned kind of became this muddled, soda-water-topped thing? Yeah, I mean, that's the big difference when you're arguing about old-fashions. You know, the kind of, you know, the crystalline, elemental 
version that I think you and I like uh, that doesn't have the fruit, and then there's the fruited version, um, often muddled fruit, which prevailed from uh, Prohibition until pretty much um, the end of the last century and into this century. Um, and why that happened? Um, it's still a bit murky. I mean, as with most cocktails, Prohibition has a lot to answer for. Mm-hmm. Um, it lasted for 13 years, and, and we got into a lot of bad habits, and everybody forgot everything. Um, fruit always fruit played a role in the old fashioned before prohibition, but um, and we're talking about like um, you know the uh, the naughty nineties here when everything was very gaudy and opulent, and so um, sometimes you'd get an old fashioned in the late eighteen nineties, early nineteen hundreds that had fruit on top sure. as a kind of a decoration, right. as an ornament, you know, because the people drinking them were rather ornamental, you know, with their stick sure. pins and their fancy hats and their ascots. And so they wanted a drink like that. But it wasn't at the bottom of the drink. It wasn't muddled. Um, what we do know is that the first instance where there's a recipe that calls for the fruit to be muddled came um, right after Prohibition, 1934, a guide uh, written by a gentleman named Burke. And he wrote annual guides for like a couple decades after that. And um, he instructed you to actually use the word mull, which meant muddle, to muddle the fruit. Um, and uh, that was the first instance. But most of the cocktail books that appeared after Prohibition did the same thing. I mean, if you look at the Savoy cocktail book, it tells mm-hmm. you to muddle the fruit. If you look at all the Mr. Boston's, it tells you to muddle the fruit. So for the bartenders coming out of Prohibition, the younger ones anyway, who were learning their craft all over again, they thought, you know, well, this is the way you do it. This sure. is the way you make the old-fashioned. Well, it was only the old scouts, you know, the old soldiers that remembered how it was properly done. And a lot of them were in Europe or London or Cuba or had retired and uh, had become soda jerks or something like that. Um, uh, cocktail historian uh, David Wondrich, he theorizes a bit that perhaps the old-fashioned during that period got mixed up with another cocktail, the toddy, the whiskey toddy, which mm-hmm. was more fruited. And another common theory is that because the booze was so bad during Prohibition, the fruit was used to mask the taste of it. Sure. And that may have been it. Yeah. Um, so uh, I did not get to the bottom as to why it suddenly became a muddled fruit drink during that period. And uh, I don't know. It remains shrouded in mystery. Well, I think that's... It, it, just in the same way where the uh, the term cocktail comes from, it, you know, there's so many different theories on the word cocktail. You know, mm-hmm. I think it's also uh, appropriate that the old fashioned has such mystique as well. Yeah. Um, I think going back to the the garnish part on the top of the drink, you think about it makes me think about cobblers. Mm-hmm. You know, a cobbler is essentially a, a toddy on crushed ice, you know, with uh, a lot of ornamental garnishes. And then eventually started playing around with those. It's like, wait a minute, why am I using, it would be, it's like, why, am I, why, why am I using all this uh, garnish that, uh, that is not really like affecting the drink itself, maybe the aromatics, but, and uh, clearly the presentation, but not necessarily the taste of the drink. Mm. It'd be a shame if we did that with limes right now, you know? Like, oh, my God. <laughs> can you go broke. Imagine? Yeah, exactly. Uh, but it's, it's easy to forget, you know, the incredible allure of fruit back then. It was exotic, you know? And if you had your hands on an orange or lemon or a lime, you know, and you put that on the drink, I mean, that was very impressive yeah. to the drinker. And the drinker felt he was, like, being treated well, you know, getting his worth, you know? Um, it was only the crusty 
old codgers who knew that they just wanted the booze. They wanted the whiskey. They wanted <laughs> the old-fashioned, which is, we have to remember, is, is an abbreviation. The, the full name of the drink is the Old Fashioned Whiskey Cocktail, mm-hmm. which, which uh, takes its history all the way back to almost the beginning of the Republic. You know, we're just a few decades old in the early 1800s when people were drinking whiskey cocktails. Yeah. And that's, yeah, I mean, I think uh, that's very important to note. I mean, I'm glad you put that out there because it really is the full description of what it is. It's the old style whiskey cocktail, mm-hmm. meaning it is a cocktail made of whiskey. It's a cocktail made of whiskey. It's just simple. It's exactly what it says. Yeah. Although it did change form somewhat radically. I mean, in the early days, like the, the early 1800s and a, and a couple decades or maybe one or one and a half decades after the Civil War, the whiskey cocktail, um, it wasn't served on ice. It didn't involve muddled sugar. It was, uh, it was um, shaken. It was strained. It was served up. Um, and, uh, and, uh, and most of the recipes back then, they called for syrup, not for a, a lump of sugar. Um, it was actually regarded as a morning cocktail for like 50 I years. Mean, that's how I've always thought of it. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, a matutinal cocktail is, they, <laughs> as, as the word was back then. You drank it during the day, you know, as you go to your saloon before you go to business. You have yourself a whiskey cocktail. Suddenly, you are braced to face the challenges of the day, and you go on. But um, as drinking became more leisurely, you know, and it didn't become a knockback, as it becomes something that, as we know it today, a sipping cocktail. Mm-hmm. Um, it it became served over uh, uh, ice, and um, their attention to ice back then was just as it is with us today. I mean, they they had. Um, one piece of ice. And many of the recipes call for one piece of ice, and often it was ornamental. It was in the shape of an orb, or it was in the shape of a square. I mean, there's nothing new. that We're not doing anything new that they hadn't thought of a hundred years ago. Basic geometric shapes. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and they started muddling the sugar. They put the sugar in there, they wetted it with the uh, Angostura and a little water. Um, I theorize a bit in the book that a lot of this had to do with the drinker I mean, the dedicated drinkers wish to get the cocktail back under his control. Um, because like in the 1870s, 1880s, a lot of interesting liqueurs started coming to the U.S. Mm-hmm. And bartenders are inventive folk, and they get, you know, excited about new ingredients. So they started taking their whiskey cocktail, put a little absinthe in there, put a little curacao in there, put a that. little maraschino in there. Mm-hmm. Well, there's nothing wrong with that if you like that kind of style. But if you're used to your old-fashioned whiskey cocktail, you get sure. upset. Yeah, and you say I want the old-fashioned cocktail, and another way to keep that under control is like, I mean, you watch them build it in the glass. They muddle the sugar so you know exactly where the sweetener is coming from. Mm-hmm. Sometimes when you ordered an old-fashioned back in the late nineteenth century, they gave you the bottle, and you poured the whiskey yourself into the drink. I mean, it was incredibly democratic, and it probably you know played to American sense to you know want to control their destiny. Yeah. I, I like I like that uh, the uh, the control issue you know like the the thing you were talking about and, and uh, I went to Tucker Alley uh, Del Pedro's place which I believe he's featured in the book right mm-hmm. um, he uh, as I left uh, we were there and he was like well do you want do you want a whiskey for the road I was like sure man he's like all right and he put the whiskey on the bar with some glasses and he was like pour whatever you want. 
Exactly. That's how they like, served whiskey back right, in the day. Cool, man. <laughs> yeah, I'll have rye, I'll have a bourbon. You know, they yeah. handed you the bottle. He's and like, it you was... pour them. <laughs> um, what do you think about the, uh, the, as far as like, I mean, we're actually having a couple old fashions right now, but these are the, uh, the classic old fashioned. This is a rye old fashioned with, uh, well, this isn't muddled sugar. This is a simple syrup. No, I, I mean, I don't fault bartenders these days. It's faster. It's faster, although I love the ritual of muddling the sugar cube, but I understand syrup, you know, you got to yeah. get the drinks out. Well, I mean, what do you think? Of, I mean, like as far as when you drink a, an old-fashioned that has muddled sugar as opposed to syrup, as far as consistency goes, as far texture and then consistency and, and production go, the texture, obviously, you'll have... Which I find sometimes very nice. When you muddle the sugar, you get a little bit of granulated. Yeah, you dissolve. get that residue at the bottom. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that's really nice. It's almost like having like the end of a bottle of wine, which is actually kind of a sad thought because you, the wine should never end. <laughs> but the uh, it's sometimes I, I, I guess it's really a preferential thing, you know, just like martinis as well. Like people always like give you their specs. For I martini. like I like that residue at the end. I understand that like um, sometimes you're you're. Um, Average customer at a bar, he might look at that at the bottom of his glass and think that his drink was not made well. Mm-hmm. I know so, but um, that's how it was done back in the day, and it played such a role that sugar that uh, in the eighteen eighties, eighteen nineties, nineteen tens, the old fashioned was always served with a little spoon in the glass. It was called an old fashioned spoon. You know, it was about yeah you know, three or four it's inches. Like a demitasse. Yeah, made out of cheap metal. And it was served to you in the spoon. And the purpose of that spoon is like, again, it was control. You could stir the drink. I mean, you could integrate the sugar more. But at the end, and there are newspaper accounts to this effect, it was used to scoop up the leftover sugar. And you ate it. Nice. And, um, and often these things were just taken away. You know, it was like the customer would just put it in his pocket and that old-fashioned spoon would disappear. Oh, yeah. I mean, I... <laughs> As a person who manages a couple of bars, I, I I'm used to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I think it sometimes have... sometimes not even the small spoons. Sometimes my actual mixing spoons. Yeah. yeah, I like to picture the bars back then. You know, <laughs> investing on like thousands of these little cheap metal spoons, knowing that they were going to walk out of the yeah. bar, um, but knowing that they had to do that. There was actually an early recipe for what is basically an old fashioned from 1885, in which it is called the spoon cocktail. It's the same recipe, but, you know, it's actually defined by the spoon. It has a spoon in it. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> um, I, I guess, like, as the drink evolved as well, and as fruit started being muddled into it, then you could take that spoon, and just like they would scoop out the residual sugar at the bottom, you could eat the fruit with the spoon. Yeah, that would make sense. but like, like a cobbler. Like, yeah. don't to that, you know, because there was always a spoon in the cobbler, too. But the muddled old fashions appeared after Prohibition, and by that time, nobody was using the spoons anymore. Yeah. They had either forgotten to use the spoon, or it had become, like, an expense that they couldn't afford anymore, all those lost spoons. Or it was just one of those niceties of, like, barroom uh, bar decorum that, it, that was lost during Prohibition, you know? You just gave me a really great idea. Um... Well, you're going to serve old fashions with spoons at prime meats from now on. Well, well, yeah, I could, I could. <laughs> Although there's not a lot to to dig out of the bottom, except for a giant chunk of ice. That's true. By the time you're finished, but uh, uh, one of my bartenders at prime meats, Garrett Richard, who, who you know, uh, mm-hmm. huge in a tiki, he loves. To eat, and you are as well. We talked about it to extent last time you were on the show. Yeah, uh, tiki I like tiki. Uh, it just made me think about. Uh, he does an old fashioned where he does a. Five spice infused Angostura bitters, and then mm-hmm. I was like, "Wait a minute! 
maybe instead of a spoon, there's a pair of chopsticks ah. <laughs> in the old fashioned. Yeah. You hear that, Garrett? <laughs> um, well, with the chopsticks would come in handy if it was a fruited old fashioned. Exactly. Pick up the cherry, pick up the orange slice. Oh, yeah. Um, I, you know, I just, I just love accessories in drinks. Mm-hmm. I, I love garnishes. Mm-hmm. So I, I, you know, throw a spoon in there. But the Hoffman house used to have the spoons that were like actually like, uh, engraved with the, the HH logo, right? The oh, end. do they? Have you seen one? I haven't seen one. Uh, they, well, in the book, they, they always had the spoons and drink and it looked like uh-huh. they had them etched, but that's of course an etching from a book from like a yeah. hundred years ago. So. Exactly. Well, everybody had pride of place back then. You know, you, you wanted to proclaim, you know, yeah. your place of business wherever you could. Yeah. You know, so on the spoon, sure, why not? I, you know, I, the the old fashioned as it stands today, it really makes me think about the way that you know, I, I going back to the, like the evolution of the cocktail and the preferential treatment for guests like for you know like say someone comes in and like like an old-fashioned or a manhattan or a martini like kind of like the big three of the classic cocktails Mm -hmm. people i agree yeah i mean the uh your customers will come in or your guests at your house or whoever it might be they they'll have a different preference in the way that they want their martini made or their manhattan or their old-fashioned and i feel like that's Something very special that that they can be so modular, uh, and I mean, there's the argument that in a lot of classic cocktail books, you you know, like say you have the fifty fifty martini mm-hmm. and then the Astoria, mm-hmm. they're the same drink, but the garnish is a lemon twist or an orange twist, hmm. uh, you know. But it, that gives it a completely different name and a different provenance. Um, but I think the old fashioned being like. Seriously, the first cocktail, really. Uh, it's had, you know, a over 200-year run. Yeah, it's been a roller coaster run, too. Tour. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's gone through hell. It's left, it's left <laughs> itself open to interpretation. And it was almost unlike the other two you mentioned, the Martini or the Manhattan, which well, there have been survivors. They're mm-hmm. survivors, you know. No matter what happens, they stick around. I mean, the old-fashioned almost got destroyed. Oh, yeah. I mean, by the end of the 20th century... Very few people were ordering it. Certainly young people weren't ordering it. Um, and very few bartenders knew how to make it. Exactly. Or make it well. And uh, I think it's like one of the great success stories of the mixology movement. Absolutely. You know, I mean, because it's, it's really an American treasure. Um, so uh, I remember the day I started noticing that old fashions were starting to appear on menus all over town around 2009, around the time that your establishment opened. Mm-hmm. Um, and you had your great prime meats old fashioned on the menu. And I remember talking to you about it. And I wasn't surprised it was on the menu because, you know, mixologists love this drink and they love to make it right. But I was surprised, I believe you told me, and correct me if I'm wrong, that it was the best selling cocktail. It still is. And I was stunned. Still is. And soon that same year, two thousand nine, I started asking other places, like, Oh, you have an old fashioned, how's it doing? And he says, like, best selling cocktail. And that was a real change. Well, I would I would Credit that partially to uh, your uh, your pressing of uh, you were the first one who ever wrote about my old fashioned at Prime Meats. Yeah, that was actually the first article I ever wrote about cocktails for the New York Times and uh, about the old fashioned. You know, well, I definitely want to thank you about that. Yeah, uh, for that. <laughs> um, speaking of uh, different variations, and, and thanks again for that. That's awesome. Um, 
Let's uh, let's take a quick break, and when we get back, let's get into the book and talk about some different variations on the old fashioned. Okay. All right. Back in a moment with Robert Simonson. Today's program was brought to you by Rolling Press. Rolling Press is a family-run digital and offset print house that brings together eco-friendly methods, ethical practices, and personalized service. Using environmentally responsible papers, non-toxic inks, and wind power, Rolling Press represents the harmony of traditional craftsmanship and mindful sustainability. Rolling Press offers advice on reducing paper waste and energy consumption, helping you save money and minimize your carbon footprint. For more information, visit rollingpress.com. And we are back. You're listening to The Speakeasy. And in the studio today, we have Mr. Robert Simonson. I'm very fond of that name, by the way. Oh, good. Well, that makes one of us. (laughs) (laughs) That's my father's name. What, Robert? No, Mr. Oh, (laughs) No, actually, his name is Robert. And he has a twin sister. It's my father's name as well. I've got got my exact father's name. Oh, nice. Yeah. So you're Junior. I am Junior. Oh, yes. Robert O. Simonson, Junior. Yes. Okay, next time you're on the show, I will announce it as such. (laughs) All right. Yeah, my dad's uh, twin sister, her name is Roberta. And we're out of Roberta's. So we are at Roberta's. You know, it's all it's all coming together. <laughs> I like I like my name best when I'm in Scotland, when everybody's Robert, <laughs> and then I just think I have the king of names. <laughs> <laughs> nice, yeah. Try being a Damon, because <laughs> I get called David or Damien all the time, mm. or my twin brother's name Dylan. Yeah, but that's that's confusing. A lot of twins going on. Um, well, anyway, that was a fun sidebar. <laughs> <laughs> so we're back with Robert Simonson. We've been talking about his new book, The Old Fashioned. And uh, before the break, we were talking about some of the history and analogy of the old-fashioned cocktail. And moving into the the newer guard, and not necessarily even just all newer guards, like some of the uh, the different variations on this very classic, probably we would say the most classic of classic cocktails, um, and we were talking a little bit before the break about the uh, the old fashioned. I make it prime means uh, mm-hmm. with the, mm-hmm. the pear bitters, and yeah. uh, and there are. Would you okay? Little side break. Would you say that the Sazerac is a variation on the sidecar or the uh, <laughs> the, uh, the sorry the uh, old fashioned? I wouldn't go that far because, I mean, it seems like an insult to the Sazerac, which is such a great cocktail on its own. But, um, but I mean, as, as the old-fashioned was a quote-unquote, um, in David Wondrich's words, a reaction cocktail. <laughs> and they, they were, they were, people were f- reacting to forces and decided, you know, they wanted something different. Um, the Sazerac is that as well, you know, trying to get away from a little too much frippery, a little too much of a fancy cocktail. Mm-hmm. And coming back to something simple, 
um, they are definitely uh, close brothers. I mean, they're they're base spirit, mm-hmm. sugar, water, bitters, and mm-hmm. then you've got your your absinthe, rinse, of course. But then, yeah. you know, like you were saying before the break, that the the old fashioned kind of started out as a like a neat drink. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, in a way, yeah. I mean, I, I kind of tie them together often, but they but it's they are like you said, they are very different. They're in the same wheelhouse. Yeah, yeah. They're they're close, but not close. <laughs> <laughs> Well, what are your what are your some uh, what are some of your favorite uh, old fashions that you found, uh, old or new, uh, that you've uh, put in your your new book there? Well, it's it's interesting because um, the period of time between when bartenders rediscovered the old fashioned in its original form and when they started playing with it, that's like a nanosecond. You know, yeah, it's just like, yeah. look, we have the original old fashioned. We're doing it right. Oh, and by the way, <laughs> I have a variation. You know, so it's kind of um, ironic because the old-fashioned was created to get away from variations, and yet we create variations. Um, But that's just another way to honor the drink. Um, There are uh, a few uh, relatively famous um, modern iterations. Uh, There's the Owaka old-fashioned, which is Mm -hmm. Phil Ward's and uses tequila and mezcal. Um, And there's the Benton's old-fashioned, which is Don Lee's and uses the, uh, the... the fat-washed, uh, the bacon bourbon. Um, and uh, so they're in the book. Of course, yours is in the book. Um, it didn't take very long to find others. I mean, none are quite as famous as those three. Um, you might want to stick in the... You ever had the Honey Nut Old Fashioned, Marco Tellos? Yeah, actually, yeah. Yeah, it's very popular out in L.A., and you can find it on a couple of New York uh, menus. Um, he Again, it's fat-washing, fat-washing the whiskey, but this time with peanuts. And then using a honey syrup, and it does actually taste like Honey Nut Cheerios. It's, yeah, it, it is a great drink, and I, I love the fact that there's a very kind of like a hardcore defiance there, where it's like, oh, you know what? I'm just going to throw in all these allergens. <laughs> <laughs> so come on in my bar if you dare. Yeah, if you're allergic to anything, you didn't, <laughs> don't drink this drink. Um, but there are other ones, and the wonderful thing about the old fashioned is that all you have to do is play around a little bit with any of the elements, and you have a different drink. You can change up the bitters. You can change up the sweeteners. Obviously, a more radical step is to change the base spirit altogether, um, although that goes way back. I mean, as we were talking, you know, it's basically a whiskey cocktail, and in the 19th century, there were gin cocktails. There were rum cocktails. It was all the same structure, just Damn. a different basic. So when people today are serving you like a rum old-fashioned, which is a very common variation, and a, a delicious variation, if favorites. I may add. Yeah. I, I think next to whiskey, rum performs best in the, in in this setup. I absolutely agree. Yeah, um, but again, it's it's nothing new. But um, all the, it's it's that's just wonderful about the structure. All these all these things you throw at it, they they hold up. I would, um, and there are even people who will argue still that even if you put the muddled fruit in there, it holds up. I do not agree. But there are very important people out there who who love a muddled old fashioned, uh, a, a a presence no less august than a Dale DeGroff will defend a muddled old fashioned till his dying breath. He loves that drink. Yeah, I mean, well, there's the Wisconsin old fashioned that, mm-hmm. that is, you know, if you're from the Midwest, I mean, if if you order it, well, first of all, there are two drinks I feel like that are that are placeholders in in the history of any given person's life if you're from the midwest mm-hmm. they're the tom and jerry mm-hmm. 
which is another debatable drink in a lot of places, but it's also very situational and, and seasonal. And then there's the old fashioned. And mm-hmm. if you're from the Midwest, you muddle that fruit. It's done with brandy. Correct? It's done with brandy in Wisconsin, also in parts of Illinois, Michigan, and Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Um, you say you mentioned the word placeholder. It was definitely a placeholder for this particular cocktail. I mean, the old fashioned never died in the Midwest. It was never unpopular, but it was always served in that way with brandy and with the muddled fruit. Um, when I'm in that area, I love to order one of those. But again, so it's situational. You know, you order like the locals drink, and you absolutely you you you're be in the moment now. This is what I'm drinking. You know, I I, I love Ryan Fitzgerald out in San Francisco. I uh, went out to Beretta a couple of years ago and uh, had their Paloma, which is kind of like a more refined Paloma. You know, uh, I think I think like Saint Germain. It was it was very very good. And then when I went down to Mexico, it was like, all right, here's some tequila, some Jaritos grapefruit uh, soda, and it's a salted rim. And I was like, wait a minute, this is awesome, <laughs> you know? It's like, <laughs> but it's situational, and it was like, it was the best Paloma I ever had because it was in a place where I could have Paloma, right? Know? And it was done like you know the right way. You know, in yeah, if you don't right, if you don't drink right it in those in that setting in that situation, you just kind of priggish you know <laughs> so, so um and i i yeah i have a recipe for the wisconsin brandy old-fashioned in here from a bar called the old-fashioned in madison wisconsin nice. and they they go through more carbell brandy than you could shake a stick at <laughs> and they sell about 200 of those every single day um wow. most of them i'd say to legislatures legislators because they're right by the capitol they're on capitol square um but uh Oh, what was I going to say? Um, yeah, so whenever I'm in Wisconsin, I, I have one of those. Um, and oh, I know what I wanted, wanted to mention. There's a wonderful bar in Milwaukee called Bryant's Cocktail Lounge. And it's run by a gentleman named John Dye. And John Dye believes that Wisconsin, by serving brandy old fashions, single handedly kept Angostura in business. You wow. know, from like. That's a bold statement. <laughs> from the end of Prohibition until like. 1970s 1980s well it's it's probably not true but you know i'm sure they uh i'm sure a lot of angostura went wisconsin's way i mean that's like me saying i i kept you know lone star in business Mm. (laughs) yeah but uh that's there are other people out there with bellies just like mine who could claim the same (laughs) yeah well he said it in jest but uh, a little bit of truth in there perhaps yeah i hear that Mm -hmm. (laughs) um so okay so Going back to the also to the book, um, and back to the recipes. Uh, okay, well, no, no. Let's go back further than that. When you're at home, I want to know how you make your old fashioned. Or do you? What would your go to uh, old fashioned recipe when you're at home, hanging out, just maybe? It's reading the, a book, you know, doing the thing. Smoking it's uh, it's very basic, you know. You get a sugar cube. You know, I get some a uh, little warm a spoon, a bar spoonful of warm water, Angostura bitters. Uh, you know, mash it up, and uh, it depends on how I feel. Bourbon or rye? It's always it's usually a whiskey, old fashioned. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's bourbon, I tend to go for Elijah Craig, twelve year old. Oh yeah. If it's rye, uh, Rittenhouse. Mm-hmm. Sometimes Old Overholt if I don't have any Rittenhouse in the house. Um, and then a very, uh, you know, one piece of ice 
and uh, a large uh, swath of orange peel. Do you stir first and then strain over the ice, or do you build in glass? I build it in the glass, I pour in the whiskey, and I stir it until as much of the sugar as I can get to dissolve in the whiskey does dissolve. Then I add the ice, and then I stir it at like another 30 seconds until I want it nice and cold. Nice and cold. absolutely. And then I uh, spend a good long time over it. I like a sipping drink. I like a drink that I don't have to drink in five minutes. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of like, I I feel like, I can't remember who it was on the show. Um, I mean, there's super... They're fantastic advantages to the sipping drink. Yeah. There was someone on the show, they were talking about their differences, and I feel terrible, I can't remember who it was, but they were talking about the differences, but there were like three different styles of cocktails that they like. There's like kind of like experimental, um, celebratory, and uh, contemplative. Mm. And uh, I feel like an old-fashioned is one of the more, like one of the more contemplative. Yes. Yeah. So it's one of those drinks that, like, you know, a lot of times it gets called an old man drink. It's like, I'd rather be an old man drinking an old-fashioned than a kid slamming some yeah, I think vodka we, and Red Bull, you know? <laughs> yeah, we need to put an end to that. I mean, because obviously young people are drinking it. It's not an old man drink anymore. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, it's like 20-somethings drinking it all over the place. Yeah. And you know what? Cheers to that. We have really accomplished something, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I can't wait to uh, see the book all over the shelves. And uh, it's actually, it's coming out. Um, the release date is May 13th. Uh, sold whatever fine books are sold. Or yeah. if you want to pre-order it, it's on Amazon right now. I, I, I saw it on Amazon. I actually, uh, I wanted to... Uh, pre-ordered it but i'm very glad you brought me a copy today ah, no. so you miss it on your sale. drink is in there you should not have to buy this book <laughs> well i'm very glad that uh that you took on this uh project and put out this book it's an awesome book and you have the one of the greatest photographers in food and beverage daniel, daniel krieger, krieger did the yeah. photographs and he did a beautiful job an amazing job it's a beautiful book with a lot of beautiful recipes and some really great content and i'm very glad to have you back on the show robert and please stop by anytime you feel like and we'll definitely mix up some old fashions absolutely thank you damon thank you robert Tune in next week for more boozy business. This has been the Speakeasy. I'm your host, Damon Bolte. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.